0: Food Heals Podcast, episode two fifty-seven.
1: Cancer prevention above everything is increase oxygen supply in your diet. Yes. Right? Increase water supply and oxygen. Yes? So anything that would block oxygen, avoid that.
2: So I looked into getting oxygen into the bloodstream, how I could do that, and just oxygenating, you know, every cell in my body.
3: If you stay in that grieving, crying episode too long then your body starts to remember it. And as you wake up the next day, your body's remembering, oh, I'm supposed to be grieving. And it goes on this cellular memory now instead of a choice, a thinking memory. So it's really important to grieve, let it out, and then find something to shift that mood and find something that will lighten up your mood.
4: The ultimate goal is to create an environment internally and an internal environment where cancer cannot thrive. Do everything in your power to heal. Take massive action to change your life.
0: That's exactly why we do this show, Chris. I think we're done. I think we're done. No, just kidding. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) We're out. (laughs) Mike
2: Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself.
4: Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.
0: All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. I'm Allison Melody, and today is part one of our two-part episode about healing cancer naturally, and I'm really excited to share with you some of the most healing stories I've ever heard, some of the most inspiring ways that people have healed themselves of cancer. They've all been on this show before, and we're just going to take you on a journey with us to hear how they healed. The Food
1: Heals podcast starts now.
0: After being diagnosed with terminal breast cancer and being given just 6 months to live, Janet Marie Wakelin beat cancer and proceeded to run a marathon every day for 366 consecutive days. Yes, you heard me right. Jeanette is a tour de force, a real badass woman who refused to accept the damaging chemo and drugs offered to her and instead opted to change her life completely by taking a holistic approach that really encompassed body, mind, and spirit. Though she had already been living fairly healthfully, she knew she had to do something intense to strike back and give her body the chance it needed to heal. Thanks to intravenous immunotherapy, blood oxygenation, and a 100% raw vegan diet, Janet turned her diagnosis around. She realized that one of the most important things to do was to make conscious choices from a place of self-love she realized you couldn't heal yourself if you didn't love yourself. Within six months, this headstrong grandma was given a clean bill of health. It's an incredible story of resilience and bravery. Roll it, Roxy. Tell us your story. How did you heal yourself? To start from the beginning, we want to hear everything. (laughs)
2: we're going to be here a long time (laughs) Um, well really you know once I had the diagnosis basically I was offered various different treatments and you know the usual um, treatments that you're offered with cancer Uh, but to me it didn't make sense because I'd already been they already felt that I only had six months to live anyway so if I did the treatment then maybe I would have got another six months And to me, that would have been another six months of sickness. And since I wasn't sick anyway, um, I thought, why wouldn't I spend that six months trying to change that prognosis? That is amazing because so many
0: people don't do that. They just listen to the doctor and try to prolong their life in misery. So I'm really impressed that, you know, you had that foresight.
2: Well, I mean, it just was instinctive, really. It just went like, that's that doesn't make sense to compromise the body further. If I'm already compromised in a way that I have now a diagnosis of terminal cancer, then I need to do something like right now.
0: All right. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so what did you do?
2: I spoke to uh, a friend who is a naturopathic physician and just to find out if there was some alternative um, way of um, helping the body to heal itself. And I mean, instinctively, I realized there would be and that there was probably, um, you know, uh, all sorts of foods that I could eat or or something like that. But it seemed to me I needed to do something very um, intensive, I guess, straight away to start that Process and and to give the body a chance to then start the healing process as well. So um, with his help, he came up with a, a protocol that was to um, basically build the immune system and give the body a bit of a you know a boost in the in that direction. And that involved having um, some intravenous um, nutrients. So you know like it was it was kind of like a my my health cocktail mm-hmm. and, um so it was you know vitamin C and various other nutrients that are known natural nutrients that are known to help build the immune system or help the immune system to um, kick into healing yeah absolutely and yeah and so while that was happening, I was researching as fast as I could go to see what else I could do in the way of my lifestyle choices because clearly whatever you know my lifestyle had been um whether it was through my own doing or through being you know um compromised in some other way uh this came about you know because of where I was or what I was doing so I had to really think about how could I change that how could I find the cause and look at eliminating the cause so that you know the healing process would actually be the cure And it became very clear to me once I started to really look into my life and my lifestyle uh, that there were certainly plenty of ways that I could try and make a difference to that prognosis. You know, I had a lot of help with my immediate family, my son and my daughter and my husband, Alan, of course. And um, my daughter-in-law was also working in cancer research as well. So she was a wealth of knowledge from that side of things and also on the preventative side. So, you know, we just came up with a a plan that was, we felt was so positive it had to work. It was a combination of things. So it was certainly the immunotherapy that I was doing intravenously for the first three months. Um, Also, I did a lot of um, looking for what the body needed, you know, the most of to turn things around. And that was basically oxygen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when your body and your your bloodstream and everything is highly oxygenated, then, you know, nothing can live in an oxygenated environment that is not meant to be there. Mm -hmm. So, cancer is one of those, like cancer cells, we all have cancer cells, but when they start to uh, mutate, it's because you're compromised in some way. And usually that starts with you not being… Highly oxygenated to start with, so I looked into getting oxygen into the bloodstream,
4: mm-hmm. how I
2: could do that, and just oxygenating, you know, every cell in my body. So that was done with um, various different means, and uh, the main one for me being um, being a runner. Anyway, at the time, I just increased the distance.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so get more oxygen <laughs> in by breathing, running longer, oh. right?
2: Yeah, so not running faster or exercising more extremely, just getting out there more um, and also in an environment that was clean air. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, the simple solutions really. Um, Obviously, you need clean air and you don't want anything that's toxic. Right. uh, Because in one of the other, one of the main reasons people have disease apart from what they're doing themselves in the way of, you know, eating the wrong foods and so on, but is, um, you know, in environmental and how we're compromised environmentally either by where we are or what our work is or, you know, whether it's emotional. The environment can be inside the body or outside the body. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get into clean air, that's a lot better than, you know, obviously going for a run in the city. So uh, I was lucky enough to live in an area where I could go and run up in the mountains. And so I started doing that every day. Um, I also did some putting oxygen directly into my own bloodstream that was Mm -hmm. through my naturopathic physician. And that was basically a process of taking the blood out, putting it through an ozone machine, which is putting oxygen into that blood, my own blood, and then, um, putting it back in to the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, one of the most, um, effective ways Of getting oxygen, pure oxygen into the body Is actually consciously breathing Mm -hmm. So um, the majority of us I'm pretty sure, you know It must be 99.999% of people Do it automatically We just breathe automatically Because our body's, you know It's doing it It's like it's ticking ticking along We're like little clockwork mice, right? Mm -hmm. And it just happens And so we don't have to actually consciously think about it Unless you happen to do yoga Or other conscious activities you know, practices that involves conscious breathing. And I was doing some yoga, but I wasn't really consciously breathing. So I started to do that. And that made a huge difference, not only to, um, you know, obviously my oxygen levels, but to my whole being. Mm -hmm. And it really took me within. It took me to a place that Basically, I'd never been. It Mm -hmm. was like inside me and who I am, and you know how important I am to me. And I think that is the key. Over the years, um, since you know that diagnosis, and all the years since that, I've been you know encouraging, um, inspiring, hopefully, and motivating others to make conscious lifestyle choices. Over that time, I've come to the conclusion that that is the most important thing, is to place the highest value you possibly can on yourself. I love that. The more I looked into, you know, like um, my own life and my own, you know, choices that I'm making and the lifestyle that we were leading and and so on. Now, I must make it quite clear that I think most people would say that we were living a pretty healthy and conscious lifestyle to start with because Mm -hmm. we're already, I was already vegetarian and mostly vegan. Mm-hmm. So I was already thinking consciously about the choices I made with healthy food and and food that wasn't harming others and so on. But there's so much more. When you really start looking into it, there's so many more choices that you can make that can make a huge difference and it's not only to your own life, but it really does ripple out to your family, you know, to your friends, to your community. To the planet as a whole, because everything we do affects everything, yeah so um, then I realized that, oh, this is much bigger than I thought <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: Oops, I'm in for the long haul so so that was when you know I really to me, I had to go one hundred percent the best I could do in everything I did,
5: mm-hmm.
2: and with with the food, I mean that's the first thing is thinking well. You know, apart from other choices that you're making in life, you do choose what you eat and what you eat is under your control. You're the one putting it in your mouth. You can't blame anybody else for what you put in your mouth and therefore what happens to you because of what you've eaten. And clearly everybody knows that, you know, if you eat junk food, you're going to have, you know, a bad effect. Mm -hmm. And if you eat healthy fruit and vegetables, you can have a good effect. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's, you know, known by everybody, but not everybody actually makes a conscious choice to make a difference by eating more of the you know the good food so I started looking into what I could get in in from food that was a hundred percent the most nutrients from the food because also if you're in a healing process you need a lot of nutrients Mm -hmm. to you know help the body to get to a place where the healing is in process and then it's rejuvenation and reversing situations so um and I found and it's not that hard to to figure out that obviously fruits and vegetables a plant based diet has the highest nutrient value Mm -hmm. and if you don't cook it then that's 100% the nutrients so the nutrients that come in nature uh, 100% of those are available to us in perfect balance in every fruit and vegetable Mm -hmm. but as soon as you cook it or heat it or process it in some way then you lose a percentage and sometimes a lot you know, almost all of the percentage of the nutrients. But even more importantly, you completely kill with the heat and with cooking, you completely kill the enzymes that are right in that food. Yeah, And without the enzymes, we can't assimilate the nutrients. We have a certain amount of enzymes in the body, but we need the rest of the enzymes to assimilate the nutrients from the food we eat. And it needs to be in the food. Mm -hmm. So clearly to me, that was what I needed. If I was going to go 100%, then that was the end of the story. I wasn't going to eat anything that didn't have nutrients in it that could be assimilated and that the enzymes, you know, would still be there. Yeah. And that's the difference between live and dead food. Mm-hmm. So live food has the enzymes, dead food doesn't. And to me, that's it. Okay, we eliminate all dead food, which is all animal products, all processed foods, and the majority of cooked foods. So that made it very, very simple for me. And a lot of people say, oh, um, you eat a raw plant-based diet? That's so complicated. But you know it's the most simple way to eat Mm -hmm. that you possibly can get and the most effective. So it was was a no-brainer. And I thought, well, that's 100% the best I can do. So if I'm looking for a 100% result, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I got out of it, 100% result. And within that six months of being diagnosed, I was completely clear of cancer. And not only that, but I was in a much higher level of optimum health. And from that, it was also a no-brainer to not go back. Yeah. I've seen so many people um, who have had illnesses and um, I've been to many funerals of people that didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I see what happens to the people left behind, yeah. I think it's something that we need to really address when we're looking at making choices you know, with our own lives. You know, so many people say, oh, well, you've got to die some way. Yeah, but are you thinking about you know, what that really means? Yeah. Could it be different? Yeah. You know, and, and how does that affect your family and your friends and, and so on? It became very clear to me that by living a more conscious lifestyle, everything is possible and anything is possible. And we don't even know yet what our capabilities are. Yes. I think the humankind has ever actually been there yet. So it's very exciting, in fact, to think, you know, what the potential of humankind is. So I'm on it. Yeah, you
0: are. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. When you live a conscious lifestyle, anything and everything is possible. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the fact that you did this in six months is Incredible because it's like the doctor will tell someone you have six months to live, and it's like, you know what, you have six months to save your life, and that's exactly what you did. And people don't realize that that's possible, they think, Okay, I have six months until I die. No, you have six months to change everything and have the best
2: possible outcome, just
0: like you did. So that's amazing.
2: I think it's really important for people to realize that, too. The other thing is, too, that you don't, no one can tell you, really, in all honesty that you have six months to live or, or however long to live. Right. They don't know. Seriously. Nobody knows. Um, they can certainly look at, you know, your situation and say, look, you know, I think unless you make some changes <laughs> right. or some conscious lifestyle choices, I would say in about six months' time you're going to be in a situation that you're not going to like very much. <laughs> you know, but to actually say you've got six months to live now, a lot of people actually believe it. Yeah. And that's the other thing: is don't believe it. Believe in yourself. Even if it ends up to be true, it doesn't matter. You really have to believe that you can. You know, you can, you can change this. You can, you can make a difference to the situation.
5: How did your doctors react to your clean bill of health after six months?
2: There were varying reactions. Um, I had a doctor who. Well, I never had a doctor before that because I'd never been ill. Um, Wow. (laughs) um, I mean, I'd I'd never even, you know, had a headache or taken an aspirin or anything. And um, what I didn't know was that I wasn't actually healthy, even though I thought I was. Mm. So that's, you know, something else that people can think about that, you know, you may think you're healthy, you may think you're living a healthy lifestyle, but there's always more we can do. But the doctors, um, that particular doctor was also a friend and uh, she was going like, yeah, you go, girl. (laughs) uh, Anything you need that I can do, just let me know. That's (laughs) awesome. A lot of, you know, tests and things that I, blood tests and things that I could get. But other doctors that I was involved with, like the oncologists and people like that, the specialists, it ranged from, oh, it was a misdiagnosis, or, which is really amazing to me, that you could actually put your career on the line by saying, rather rather than saying, what are you doing? This is amazing. We need to know right. that and putting your career on. the like, Oh, I made a mistake. No, it's ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> so it ranged from that to um, completely ignoring me altogether after six months, like literally on the street, crossing over the road so they didn't have to talk to me. Wow. And, and I felt really sorry for them because for them, it was like, she's dead. You know, like, how can she be here? She she's, She's supposed to be dead. Oh, my God. So it was almost like, you know, this ghost was creeping up on them or something. But...
0: <laughs> you were challenging everything that they believed in and they were
2: terrified. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I did do, you know, through that process, I did actually challenge them, you yeah. know, like, I mean, I actually spoke to them and said, look, how can, you, how can you continue to suggest that we do things like this? Like, for me, because I was an athlete, the idea was that, oh, well, you can have the strongest possible chemotherapy because you're a strong person. Mm. And I said straight away, that's not making a lot of sense here. Like, right. <laughs>
0: that doesn't make any sense at all.
2: <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and I just sort of, uh, d- I did question a lot, of, um, a lot of their theories and a lot of what they have been led to believe. And um, from that, I did get some interesting uh, reactions and some of them weren't very nice. Um, basically one specialist said, look, don't come back to us when this doesn't work. Wow! so it was like blackmail oh my and gosh. that was the point where I realized that you know I'm actually in you know I'm just a number here mm-hmm. and um, I'm in a situation along with thousands of others who you know if, if I don't take control or responsibility for my own health I'm curtains Yeah, because that's, that's the way it's been set out so yeah it wasn't an option just was not an option to me
0: I mean, this story is going to change so many people's lives, and I'm sure that it already is. And thank you so much for sharing with us what you've gone through. You and
5: your husband are such an inspiration. Your grandchildren and your your children are very lucky to have such an inspirational grandmother and mother, truly.
0: All right, Food Heals Nation. I hope you are enjoying our healing cancer series. We've got lots more stories to come, but I just want to remind you that when we are trying to prevent or reverse cancer, it is vitally important to be doing everything that we can nutritionally and to really have those tools in our toolbox that prevent and reverse cancer. So that's why I love Organifi. Organifi helps our bodies heal itself. So we know that our bodies are these self-healing mechanisms, but we need to help them detox from the daily invasion of toxins that we are being exposed to that we've never seen in history before. So we've got to give our bodies some assistance. Organifi has a perfect system to help keep disease at bay. In the morning, you can start with the green juice. This will help with detoxification. Then you can spend the afternoon sipping on the red juice. This is great for energizing you and getting over that mid-afternoon hump, that slump, that tiredness where you're like, where's the coffee? (laughs) You can do the red juice instead. And then in the evening, you can sip on the Organifi Gold, which is a beautiful way to wind down at the end of your day. And it's delicious. It's got turmeric, ginger, reishi, lemon balm, and turkey tail mushrooms. Turkey tail is very, very promising in the science behind shrinking tumors as turkey tail actually helps starve tumors. So it's a great supplement to have in your toolbox and it's included in the Organifi Gold. So you can be drinking this every night and knowing that you are helping your body prevent cancer. And turkey tail is not from a turkey. (laughs) It's a mushroom. So no worries. None of Organifi's ingredients actually include any animal products. So they're vegan, they're organic. Another reason why I love them so much. They're even gluten-free, soy-free, keto-friendly, all the things. But back to the gold, it just contains so many powerful ingredients to help calm you down. Have a more restful sleep. You can wake up refreshed. It also has ingredients to soothe sore muscles and support your joints. Yes, please. I just take a scoop every night. I put it in some hot water. You can also do this with some milk if you want it to be a little bit creamier. It kind of makes it like a golden milk. And I actually drink it right before dinner. It helps me kind of relax for the night. And the best part is is that you know we scored a discount code for you. Organifi has a special offer for Food Heals Nation listeners only, so you can try it for yourself. Go to Organifi.com, use the coupon code Heals, and you'll get 20% off your first order. Let me know how you like it, Food Heals Nation. Now back to our Healing Cancer series.
2: You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes.
0: Imagine being 26 years old and being told you have stage 3 colon cancer just before Christmas. That's what happened to Chris Wark. What began as intermittent abdominal pain was actually a tumor the size of a golf ball. He was rushed into surgery but woke up to the news that the cancer had spread to his lymph nodes. What options did the doctors give him? Just chemotherapy, nine to 12 months worth. But poisoning himself back to health did not make sense to Chris. He wanted to build his body back up and not tear it down. So he began researching alternatives. The books he read opened his eyes to the healing power of nutrition and how diet really impacts our health. Suddenly he realized that he had created his cancer and so he could fix it. He immediately bought a juicer and went from the standard American diet to 100% vegan and 100% raw. Long story short, Chris beat cancer, and now he teaches others how they can do it too. Roll it, Roxy.
4: So in 2003, I was 26 years old. I started having having abdominal pain, and it was just kind of a weird, deep and vague like aching pain that would come and go. And then sometimes there would be like a little bit of a sharp pain here and there. But it wasn't like a steady, like unrelenting pain, right? And because it would come and go, I just kind of thought like, oh, what is that? Ah." And then, you know, a little later, have any pain, you know? So it was just this weird intermittent pain. And I put it off for many months, just kind of like, I don't know, maybe hopefully it'll get better. I don't know. Maybe I have an ulcer. But it didn't get better. Uh, Eventually, it started to really get pretty bad towards the fall, you know, the end of 2003. And I eventually went and got a colonoscopy uh, because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And um, when I woke up after the procedure, they said, look, you've got a golf ball sized tumor in your colon, your large intestine. And we took a biopsy and we're going to send it to the lab. Hopefully, it's not colon cancer. Day or two later, I got the call, and they said, it is colon cancer.
5: Oh, wow.
4: Yeah, not, not a great day. No. <laughs> <laughs> not a great day. And, you know, cancer diagnosis, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, I mean, a lot of us in the community, it's, it's sort of like, you know, there's BC. It's like the life of Christ, you know. It's like BC is before cancer, and AD is after diagnosis. Because it really just cuts a dividing line. It's like two chapters in your life. It was a total shock. Never had any family history. Didn't know anybody that had been through cancer, really. And um, you were
0: so young. You were, yeah, yeah 26. 20s, right? yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, 26. You're not thinking about cancer. Or, you know, no. and I'd been married for two years. Just had our two-year anniversary, like a month, couple months before that. What is my life going to be? How many birthdays do I have left? Am I going to even see 30? Is this my story? You know, like vicious young guy got cancer. Died very young, sad story, right? Mm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, like most cancer patients, uh, I was pretty clueless, and they and they rushed me into surgery. They said, uh, "Look, we got to get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you." So I'm like, "Okay, like Wh- whatever you say." Yeah, who's
5: who's going to argue with that?
4: Yeah, it's like oh, okay, doc. And it was like two days before Christmas. On top of all of that, right? Oh so my like, god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and 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 they wanted to get me in surgery like the day before Christmas, like literally the next day. They're like, "We can get you. We want to get you in and get you scheduled." And and I was like, "Hey, like, can we just? Can I not be in the hospital on Christmas? This is already depressing enough." Right. And so they're like, "Yeah, you can. That's fine." So I, I went in on December thirtieth, which was about a week and a half later. They took out a third of my large intestine. They took out this tumor, which was you know in that area. And when I woke up from the surgery, they said, uh, well, it's worse than we thought.
0: Oh, my God.
4: Yeah. We were hoping it was stage two. And it turns out it's stage 3C, which means it was, you yeah. know, it's left the tumor. It's in your lymph nodes. It's spreading. It's on its way to your liver, your lungs or whatever. Uh, you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. So, you know, I mean, I'm in the hospital. I'm super doped up. I can't even really process what, I mean, I've only known that I've had cancer for like a week. I mean, this is th-
0: crazy. Yeah, this is I such mean, a mind like, Oh
4: yeah. Yeah. I mean the whole world is turned upside down and I just don't even understand what's happening to me or what to think about it or any of that. And plus now I'm like on heavy pain medication. Right. So anyway, but I was just like, okay, like, I guess this is my life and I'm going to be a chemo patient. And then I, I was, you know, just sort of accepted that that was my future, but there were a couple things that happened in the hospital that got me thinking a little bit differently and started started me on you know a new track. Uh, what were those? The, there were some clues, <laughs> a red flag. So <laughs> some, some breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, some breadcrumbs. So the first one was the very first meal that they served me in the hospital.
0: I knew it was going to be the food. Uh-huh. Wait, I'm going. sure it
5: was like dark leafy greens and fresh veggie juices and no. What was yes. it?
4: <laughs> qu- it was quinoa salad. <laughs> no. No, it was a sloppy joe.
5: Oh. Brilliant. Sloppy you- joe. I'm sorry. Are you fucking kidding me? A sloppy no, Joe?
4: No. The
5: crap that they serve to kids in like bad elementary. Like I remember seeing that in the elementary school line. And my mom would send me with a sandwich of like, you know, with vegetables on it. And I know. Ne- wow. Okay. So a sloppy <laughs> yeah. Joe.
4: So anyway, they served me the sloppy Joe. And I'm like, Wait, did you eat it? Yeah, I did. I was really hungry. I hadn't eaten yeah. in a couple of days. So yeah, I was hungry, but I was looking at it just going like, oh, like, why are they serving this? Like t- it's to sick people, right? Like, why are they serving this to cancer patients? Like, this doesn't even make sense. And the irony of it all, as bad as it is, because people have made jokes about hospital food for decades, right? Of how terrible right. it is. Red meat is a Group Two human carcinogen. Right. That's from the World Health Organization. So I know. that means it's an it's a probable cancer cause or there's a sufficient body of research linking red meat consumption to cancer specifically colon cancer. And that's what they are feeding the colon cancer patient after surgery. <laughs> you know, it's like how clueless can we be? Of course I didn't know that back then. Now
5: apparently uh, a lot then apparently we can be very clueless.
4: Yeah, I mean it's just crazy. So so that was the first kind of little crack in the foundation, you know. The other thing that happened was the day they told me I could go home, my surgeon came in to check on me and he said, We were having a conversation, and I said, Hey, are there any foods I need to avoid? Because I, you know, I just didn't want to eat the wrong thing and mess it up, like hot sauce or like, right. you know, or Doritos too sharp. You know what I mean? <laughs> like whatever you eat is gonna pass through there, so I didn't want to mess it up. They just literally pulled my guts out, cut a section out, sewed them back together. Right. So he says, No. Just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Oh my god.
2: What? Wow. Okay.
4: That was it. That was like his catchphrase. I could tell he said it to everybody. Like it was, yeah. it was like, like, this is what I say. Zinger. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was it. Like I thought maybe he would have some kind of digestive health wisdom to share with me. Like, no. So so pretty soon I'm like connecting the dots here, like. The medical industry has no interest in nutrition at all. No. It's just not a part. Like, this is weird. To, and I'd never been in the hospital. i never been sick, never had health problems, you know. And I grew up in a household where my mom was pretty health conscious. Then she comes back into the story in a big way in a second. So I go home from surgery. And I thought about, like, am I, am I probably going to lose all my hair? I'm already super skinny. I'm going to lose more weight. Like, am I going to become like a skeleton kind of chemo patient that I, like I've seen out in the world? You know, like, what what is going to become of me? And it was pretty scary. I mean, the idea of poisoning my way back to health didn't make sense to me.
5: It doesn't make sense, does it?
4: It doesn't make sense. I instinctively knew I was sick, right? Like, I'm sick and I want to build my body back up. Like, I don't want to tear it down more. And I felt so weak and vulnerable already that I just something was just telling me this is not for you. Yes, you know? it's and, like that
0: inner guidance mixed with common sense.
4: Yeah, right. Instincts, intuition, common sense—like all of those things were kind of swirling around in my head and in my heart. And so uh, my wife and I prayed about it. You know, it's so just like God, I, I need help. Like, what do I do? this doesn't make sense, if there's, I, I, but I don't know what to do. And I just said specifically, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, will you please show me? Just a sincere prayer, just asking for help. Mm-hmm. So two days later, a book shows up in, uh, on my doorstep. This was sent to me from a friend of my dad's who lives in Alaska. And I live in Memphis, Tennessee. So I get this book and I start reading it. It was all about healing with nutrition. The guy who wrote it had healed his own colon cancer with nutrition. What book was it? That book's called God's Way to Ultimate Health. What that book did for me was it opened my eyes to realize, I mean, probably the biggest thing it taught me was that cancer, heart disease, diabetes, so many of our chronic diseases are caused by our diet and lifestyle and environmental factors, right? Like environmental toxins.
0: Yep. That's that's exactly why we do this show, Chris. Yeah. Exactly what you just said. I know.
4: I know. I think we're done. I think
5: we're done. Think we're done. Yeah. No, just kidding. Amen.
0: <laughs> Hallelujah. Drop. We're out. Drop.
4: <laughs> so that was like a mind blower to me because I'd never had any, you know, health problems before. So I never I never thought about it. Like just, just didn't think about health, disease, nutrition, healing, any of those things. And so I'm like, well, wait a second, wait a second. What that means is, this might be my fault, maybe the way I'm living is killing me, and if that's true, then maybe I can change the way I'm living and I can help myself heal. If my body created this, maybe my body can heal it. I was super empowered and excited. This particular book was basically saying, look, you need to get on a raw food diet and you need to start juicing carrots overnight i was like i'm doing this raw food diet but you're told you have no other option and everyone around you says you have no other option you know cancer patients say like well what choice do i have i have no choice this is the only thing i could possibly do to help myself survive that's what they believe or they're led to believe my mom comes comes back into the picture so i i called my mom or started talking to her about what i was thinking about doing and she was like oh yeah i think you know i think you should do that i think that'd be a really good idea and my mom had this huge library of books written about healing every disease, like naturally. She had the giant collection of health food store books she'd been buying since the 70s. She had the original Rebounding book by oh. Al Carter. She had the all the Paul Bragg books. She had Pavo Arola, Dr. Richard Schultz. I mean, it was insane.
0: Yeah, many, that's amazing. Yeah.
4: Yeah, she had all these books on raw food and healing cancer and alternative cancer therapies and like alternative medicine like just stacks. <laughs> and and I was like she had never been sick. She's just a lifelong learner, loves to read and just would read two or three books a week and yeah, just sta- saved all these books up for me basically. Didn't realize that's what she was doing, but she was saving them all up for me and it was like such another divine miracle. In, the, wow. in my story. And so, my mom supported me in the beginning, but nobody else did. And again, I don't want to make anybody look bad. They all love me, but they just didn't understand. I bought a juicer that day or the next day. I loaded up on fruits and vegetables, and I went 100% raw vegan, like wow. just immediately. Because chemo or no chemo, I just knew, like I got to do this. And I was excited to find out, to see what would happen if i started just like overdosing on fruits and vegetables because i was eating a standard american diet before that tons of meat and dairy tons of processed food junk food diet um, not diet coke dr pepper's you know like mm-hmm. snickers like whatever i wanted whenever i wanted never had a weight problem never had health issues i was just like a junk food connoisseur so i just thought wow this makes so much sense like what you know i should i need to get back in harmony with nature and I believe that God created the earth for us and that everything we need comes from the earth. Like it's all here for us. We don't need anything in in a package, in a bottle, in a can, in a box. Everything we need comes from the earth. And so that just made so much sense to me and I got excited about it. So here's some more crazy stuff that folks probably have never heard. When a cancerous tumor is one centimeter in size, right? One centimeter, that's pretty small. It has a billion cancer cells in it. And it is dumping a million cells a day into your bloodstream. So you have cancer cells, and we all have cancer cells in our bodies. Cells mutate, they get old and defective. And your immune system, especially your natural killer cells, your NK cells, are designed, their job is to find and kill cancer cells in your body okay so there is some killing that happens those, and,
5: the, those are the warriors yeah Let them those, be are, the
4: those warriors. are the warriors those are the fighters and you know what you know what they do actually it's kind of it's really so elegant but the process in which they kill cancer cells many times it's more like a tap on the shoulder and it tells them like hey uh it's time to die and the cell is like okay and the cell commits suicide apoptosis programmed cell death. And it's, it's, there's like a, basically a genetic switch. And when that switch is flipped the wrong way, the cells don't die, right? So that's really the nature of a cancer cell is it doesn't die. It doesn't know when to die and it keeps reproducing. Uh, so everyone has cancer cells. Your immune system is designed to identify and eliminate them. And the difference between someone with tumors and no tumors is in large part due to their immune system. But we have to keep in mind that your immune system is just one system of many in the body, right? So you've got central nervous system, immune system, reproductive system, digestive system, musculoskeletal system, respiratory system, cardiovascular system. So you've got all these systems and they're all connected and they all need to work together. So when you have dysfunction in one or more of them, It affects the others. You can't boost the immune system if you have dysfunction in other systems, right? You have to heal the whole body. It's a top-down process.
0: There's no Band-Aids.
4: Yeah, head to toe, right? You got to heal it all. If you heal it all, then everything starts working right. And the ultimate goal is to create an environment internally and an internal environment where cancer cannot thrive. That's the goal. But there's two ways to go about it. One way is just inject as much poison as possible. And then it's like, you know, your body's a poisonous environment and cancer cells struggle to survive.
0: But so does everything else.
4: But but it causes collateral damage, brain damage, hearing loss, heart damage, liver damage, lung damage, kidney damage, nerve damage. Like, you know, it's just it wrecks you. I had all this family pressure to go see the oncologist, like, you know, will you please just go talk to the doctor, see what they have to say? Maybe they have some alternative therapies available. So I'm like, okay, okay. So we go to the doctor and the appointment went really bad. In in hindsight, it was really good that it went bad. because. The guy basically came in and said, look, you, you know, you, you're, you got young adult colon cancer. It's very aggressive in young adults. You know, normally people don't get it until their 50s or 60s. And you're, you've got about a 60% chance of living five years with treatment, not of being cured, just of mm-hmm. being alive in five years. And I'm thinking, well, 50, 60%, that's pretty close to 50%. 50% is a coin toss. So I'm not really feeling very, you know, encouraged by that statistic. I asked him about the raw food diet. I'd been on it for one week at that time, and he said, no, it'll fight the chemo, which was weird. It'll fight the chemo? Yeah, it'll fight the chemo.
0: Yeah, because it's detoxing you, (laughs) because chemo is a toxic substance that's going into your body, and raw food is detoxifying. So we need you to stay on a Sloppy Joe diet.
4: (laughs) Yes, we need you to go ahead and up your Sloppy Joe intake, Sloppy Joe's and beer. Just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Oh a
5: light God. beer. Just the light One
4: beer. One beer. light beer.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use yeah. that joke. So we go to this appointment. He says raw food diet will fight the chemo, which, you know, the guy obviously, they don't like you being healthy because they feel like if you eat too healthy, it'll help the cancer cells survive. But the truth is, There's all these amazing compounds in fruits and vegetables that are anti-cancer compounds. They strengthen healthy cells and they weaken or kill cancer cells, but they're not trained about nutrition in med school, so they don't don't know that. And so I said, well, what about alternative therapies? I mean, are there any alternative therapies available? And then he looks at me and he says, no, if you don't do chemotherapy, you're insane.
0: Wow. You're insane now? Now doctors are calling us insane. So what did, wrong. what
5: did you say to
4: that? Nothing. I was just quaking in my boots. I mean, <laughs> he he had me so terrified and used fear to manipulate me and and from that point on in the conversation, he just pulled every trick out of the hat that he knew to tell me if I didn't do what he said, I was going to die. So I go home and I just I just thank God. I was just I'm so blessed that I had time to get my wits about me because I had 3 weeks. I went home and just fired up the juicer. Like, what else am I going to do? And just kept on juicing, eating raw food. And then when that day came to start chemo, I woke up and I was like, no, I'm not doing it.
2: Good for you.
4: It's not for me. And it's not for now, right? I just thought, this is what I need to do. Nobody understands me, but my mom, (laughs) I did find a naturopath and I also found an integrative oncologist and slowly assembled a support system. And that's very important that you have the support system. And really my wife's attitude changed after that appointment too, because she saw, like she got this inside glimpse at just sort of the ugly side of the cancer industry. And I mean, really right around that time, I was thinking about like, I still don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I'm going to live or die on my terms. And I'm going to go out swinging. I asked her, I really wanted to be a dad, you know, it's just something I'm like, gosh, I don't know how long I'm going to live and my life is like ticking away it feels like and I just would love to feel what it, know what it is to be a dad. And so, I asked my wife what she thought about starting a family and she did what I think is just one of the most courageous things of anybody I know and she said yes to start a family with me, not knowing if I would even be alive to help raise this child.
0: Oh, I have chills. I
4: have to pause a minute because every time I tell the story, I get choked up at this part because she loved me so much that she was willing to do that. 13 months later, I was back in the hospital, but this time I was holding a little baby girl.
0: Oh, I have all the chills, all the feels.
5: I have a lump in my
4: throat. I don't have the chills. I have a lump in my throat. And so, you know, that gave me, I talk about this in the book too, but making plans for the future is so important in in terms of survival. Like the mind, body, spirit connection is so powerful and you have to plan to live and you have to make plans for the future. And so I was like, this was a big plan. Like I'm going to live, I'm going to raise this baby. And so, so we had one and then uh, three years later we had another one. I have two little girls. They're 13 and 10 now. And just awesome. They're just awesome kids. And they're like, just bring me so much joy. And they're just great. I want to make sure that people, I wanted to give them some really key takeaways, right? As good as I am at telling my story, because I've told it so many times, what's really important that people know is that there are very simple things you can do to help prevent and heal cancer. And remember earlier, I said, and you agreed, the, the major causes of cancer our diet, lifestyle, and environment. And there's another big one that no one talks about, which is stress. Only 5% of cancers, give or take, are genetic, which means up to 95% of cancers are caused by our diet. And this is from research. This isn't just Chris's wacky theory. From published research.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Even if you have that, you get that cancer, the screening, and you have the gene for whatever cancer It doesn't mean it's going to – those genes are going to turn on. Those turn on or off depending upon how your body is taken care of or not taken care of. You know what I mean? So, it's like –
4: Diet, lifestyle, and environment. They flip on good and bad genes. So, there's a field of science called epigenetics, which is all about gene expression. And we know that fruits and vegetables flip on anti-cancer genes, which is good, and they turn off cancer-promoting genes. So, does exercise. And, and environmental toxins flip on and cancer-promoting genes in the body. So, again...
5: So does laughter.
4: Oh, laughter and singing. Are so amazing for your immune yeah. system. Both of them boost your immune function. Okay, so specifics now. The recommended amount of fruits and vegetables that you need to eat per day. The best anti-cancer diet, by the way, is a plant-based diet. doesn't have to be raw, but a plant-based diet is the most potent anti-cancer diet. And the new standard in terms of dietary recommendations for cancer prevention and not just cancer heart disease diabetes disease prevention is 10 servings of fruits and vegetables per day
0: and how big is a serving half a cup so not that much
4: it's not that much you can you can have 10 servings in a smoothie
0: in a smoothie exactly or a salad for
5: lunch you could have
4: a giant salad it's not hard to get 10 servings you know it's easy to get four servings on a plate. That's no big deal. Four to six servings. But yeah, if you throw two cups of berries, a cup of spinach, a couple handfuls of almonds and walnuts, a banana or some dates, some cauliflower and a smoothie, you got 10 servings in there. I mean, it's like, it's pretty easy. Right. And so I went from eating one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day to eating between 15 and 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day, including what I was getting from juices, fresh vegetable juices. Mm-hmm. And think about it. Like, There's no way right, that that isn't going to cause dramatic shifts in your body when you're putting in that much good stuff because fruits and vegetables have antioxidants, enzymes, tons of vitamins and minerals, and then all these amazing phytochemicals, plant compounds that are anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, and so much more, and improve detoxification, all this kind of stuff. So, We can go way down the rabbit hole on all the scientific mechanisms of of the compounds of fruits and vegetables. But really, the big takeaway is you just need to eat tons of fruits and vegetables every day, 10 servings. So, three meals a day, three to four servings per meal, like oatmeal with berries for breakfast, fruit smoothie or a big salad for lunch, big salad or a nice plate of cooked veggies for dinner. You just did it, right? You're good. Yep, yep.
5: And fresh is best. We're not talking about canned vegetables. Fresh is
4: fresh is best. Canned is second best. right Canned is okay.
5: Wouldn't you think frozen is second best? Well,
4: yeah, I mean frozen and canned are not ideal, but they're still better right. than the alternative, which is, you know, like a microwave lasagna or something, right? The most potent anti-cancer vegetables are garlic, onions, and leeks. They're at the top, and then right under them is mm. broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, all the cru- the cruciferous vegetables. And of course, peppers and mushrooms are great for your immune system. And there's all these wonderful anti-cancer compounds and spices like cayenne pepper and oregano and turmeric and ginger. So I just started going nuts. Like with every anti-cancer fruit and vegetable I could find, berries are the best in terms of the anti-cancer compounds in fruit. I was making yes. fruit sm- smoothies every day. I was eating giant salads. I was juicing all day every day. And it was just repeat over and over and over. I ate the same things every day. And I loved it. I felt awesome. We monitored my blood work. We did CT scans. Like I was in the high, high risk zone and everybody was like, oh, like when's it going to come back? You know, it's going to one of these days, he's going to have a scan. There's going to be a new spot, a new lump or bump or tumor or, or more tumors. And what I did, what I succeeded in doing is I made my body a place where cancer could not thrive. What I promote and I enthusiastically recommend people do is change their whole life. Do everything in your power to heal. Take massive action to change your life. It's all of those little changes that you make that add up to a big result.
0: Food Heals Nation, I hope you're enjoying these stories. Sometimes when we're sick or we have family members sick, we might need a little break. We might need a little vacay. Luckily, Food Heals Nation, we have the solution for you. One of my favorite co-hosts and I, Leslie Durso, are hosting our second annual retreat in. Italy, you're invited. We did have a last minute cancellation, unfortunately. And so I would love to fill that spot with you. So are you going to be the one that's joining me at the infinity pool to overlook the Amalfi Coast, talk about life, love, all the things, anything you want to talk about? And it's an active retreat, so not only do we relax by the pool, but we're also on boats. We're hiking. We're shopping. We're on the beautiful Amalfi Coast, which is one of the most stunning places in the world. We're eating all the vegan delicious food. Our vegan chef, Leslie Darso is teaching us how to cook basic, delicious Italian dishes that blow your mind. There are some things that we make there that I never would have thought would be a good combination. Then you eat it and you're like, this is the best thing I've ever had, legit. And then we also go to some of the best five-star restaurants. Half of them overlook the coast. The views are the most breathtaking things that I've ever seen. So you're sitting there overlooking the coast at the beautiful lights and houses and people and just feeling the energy of the city while eating some of the best food you've ever had, tasting some of the best wine you've ever had. It is a trip like no other don't worry if you're not vegan. Don't worry if you are gluten-free. you know, We can accommodate any diet, and we're going to teach you how to eat really well, really healthfully, and it's just a delicious plant-based adventure that I know you're going to love. Almost everything is included in the price, the villa, the food, the activities, the boat rides, transportation to and from the airport. Only thing not included is you got to get your own plane ticket and you got to pay for your own alcohol and gratuities. Gratuities are optional in Italy. Italy. So you tip when you love the service and if you don't, you don't. (laughs) So I would love to have you join us. If you want to learn more, go to foodhealsnation.com and click on Italy. You might want to just email me right away and tell me that you're interested because this spot will absolutely fill up. So I hope to see you in Italy and I hope you enjoy the rest of this healing cancer series. You wouldn't know it to look at Avita today, but just 12 years ago, she was overweight, sick, tired, depressed, she had bad skin, and she was suffering from chronic headaches and hypoglycemia. In 2000, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She made the incredibly courageous decision not to have surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy that her doctors were actually insisting on, and instead decided to heal herself through detoxing, fasting, and cleansing her body and her mind. She said that toxic food and toxic thinking caused her cancer, and she was going to quit both. That's what she told the doctors before walking out on them. After four months of this healing protocol, she was free from cancer, felt amazing, had lost 50 pounds, and had lost gallbladder stones. Cleansing gave Avita the courage to start living her life the way that she really wanted to. And I know it's true because I met Avita personally when I was hired to take her pregnancy photos about eight years ago. Girl was radiant. She still is to this day. And Jonah, her son, is just a blessing who she may not have been able to have if she had done the surgery that the doctors recommended because it very well may have left her barren. She's just bright-eyed and joyful. Every time I see her, I'm excited to play this clip for you. Roll it, Roxy.
1: In the year 2000, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And I was very lucky because the first person that told me about that was not a doctor, a Ukrainian shaman, healer, psychic, She definitely had some sonar vision inside her, that lady. I should add that I was 183 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay, I had pimples on my face, pimples on my back that nobody knew about. Mm -hmm. And I was always tired, often sick, very sad, very depressed, very angry, like like really irritable for no reason almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And basically I carried all that weight of emotions, and the weight of physicality with me, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I knew that something was wrong. But uh, back then, I was, I was in a very particular marriage situation where I had a belief that I don't matter, mm. right? So I wasn't authentic in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that I put myself second. In that relationship, yes? So I didn't go to doctors to get tested. I I ignored my diet. I actually cheered up myself with eating toxic food. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And you know, you should know one thing, that I originally, I come from Poland. Back in Poland, basically fast food, after the collapse of communism for a while, was a symbol of freedom for us. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So we would binge big time. (laughs) I mean, I remember as a child... I dreamt about drinking Coca-Cola, okay? I never ate pizza as a kid. I didn't know what pizza was until communism collapsed, mm-hmm. until borders opened, right? Mm-hmm. So you basically, once you're free, you kind of partake in all of these things because it's available all of a sudden, yes?
0: Yeah, and- it was representative of your new freedom
1: almost. Exactly, yes. And it's so colorful and so seductive. And- sure. It's very seductive. Very seductive. <laughs> <laughs> I should say addictive. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So right now, Polish people know already that we got hooked. Okay? <laughs> and right now, we already we also know that, um, you know, children are becoming obese and the diabetes is rising and heart attacks are are rising and cancer is rising and so on, right? Back then, we didn't connect food and and health so much, right? Right. Um, So what happened was that this lady, she says to me, okay, you know, 16 gallbladder stones and also you have pancreas imbalance. So I looked at her like, wow, like what is pancreas, yeah? And she said basically twice a day around 11 o'clock and around 3 4 p.m you just collapse your energy just goes down yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and at that moment you need sugar you need some you crave uh, you you grab something sweet otherwise you would collapse right? right and I say yes, that's true and and basically today I know that this is called hypoglycemia and it's like pre-diabetic condition I had no idea back then yes a lot of people have it they don't even know about it that's true so what happened was it's, it's it's basically called tiredness I just got tired mm-hmm. yeah and I'm like you know sure of course you eat dairy for breakfast it puts you to sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then you wake up with coffee mm-hmm. you know you get that boom up right and then your energy plunges down <sighs> what are you supposed to do if eventually you just not go like you know flap right right so uh, what happens is what happened was that later on, she, she scanned my body th- downward and she said, you have something serious going on on your reproductive system. You should go to the doctors and get tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I knew something what, what was going on. I mean, honestly, I had pain during, in, uh, during intercourse in my marriage. I had pain when I was picking up things. I had those blackouts, like there were moments when I could just like see nothing. Oh, my God. Like, darkness, like split second, total darkness. And I had chronic headaches, so basically, I, I just didn't go to, go to the doctors because I ignored myself. Okay, and lucky me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was that. Um, I was very glad that she- I was very blessed that this, this was the first person who told me about this issue. She actually made me take notes. She dictated a certain startup protocol for cleansing. Mm-hmm. Okay. She said to me, you will have to forgive everything that happened in your life. You have but- to
0: forgive. Yes. And was said- that the first time you had ever heard of this type of concept, like the emotional healing?
1: I mean, you know, I was very religious back then. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And so so for me, my consciousness, my spirituality was very tied up to guilt, shame, blame, all these things that you learn kind of, you know, from the Vatican and from all the, going to the church. Right.
0: Never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, forgive. Um, it, I never connected that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And looking at my own emotional life would actually have anything to do with my health and wellness, right? Mm-hmm. I never, I never tied the knots. Another thing she said, you will have to go fasting and detox your body and cleanse. And when she said fasting. At that moment, I stopped taking those notes because I was thinking she was joking. (laughs) You know, I was thinking she was nuts, basically. The woman started talking to me during New Year's, okay? Mm -hmm. She started talking to me about coffee enemas, okay? (laughs) About um, drinking Granny Smith apple juice, uh, like, uh, the whole day, and she said, you will not stop fasting until 16 gallbladder stones come out of you. And oh I'm like, God. yeah, right. You know, so I was kind of like becoming a little bit impatient, a little bit nervous. Like, what about that party downstairs, lady? You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's go get our drink on, lady. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like thinking, am I going to miss that the big hour? You know, like Beijing yeah. just off, you know, like Sydney took off. OK, so it's like you just kind of like. Uh, wait for that big time right when is it gonna get closer to Warsaw and um, so anyways she had this perfect sense of timing and she was she was not interested in making friends she she stood for me that woman basically stood for a new possibility in my life Mm -hmm. and she she didn't care what I was thinking about this she basically dictated a protocol for my for, for my complete um like rebirth, like starting of something completely new in my life. And, um, you know, you can imagine I tried to lose weight for years. I mean, ever since I went into grade school,
2: mm-hmm. I was
1: a plumpy kid. Mm-hmm. I, I sucked at sports. Okay. I was always the last one to be picked to be on a, on a basketball team or vo- volleyball team. Um, I had no boyfriend. You know, I was like the ugly duckling kind mm-hmm. of thing, yes. <laughs> and on top of it, I absolutely hated those cute chicks in classroom that got all the attention. You mm-hmm. know, because I I just felt like I'm somewhere in the shade and nobody sees me, right? right? <laughs> yeah. And and I felt like I was wrapped in a thick blanket. Yes, where I had. Three holes: one to watch television, one one to eat, and two 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 for the eyes to watch television. <laughs> you know? And I was, I was living my life vicariously, mm-hmm. especially in my marriage. Yes, that's why in my book I wrote the first chapter is how marriage nearly killed me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to two married ladies for like two newlyweds, newlyweds, two <laughs> relative newlyweds. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not easy, you know. I want. I need to warn you. <laughs> However, however, it's not marriage really that kills people. It's an authentic relationship.
0: Un- inauthentic relationship.: Right. Right. Yeah, right, yeah.
1: You correcting me. inauthentic relationship. Yes. So I was in that relationship and I was lying to myself, and in a way, to him, pretending that I'm a, I'm a wife, mm-hmm. playing some kind of a role, that I love him, whatever. What if I was telling myself, right? It all came from fear,
5: mm-hmm.
1: fear of rejection. Right. Fearing fear of not being good enough, fear that nobody else will love me, want me and all of that. Right. Right. So what happened was that I went to the doctors. Okay. And I did myself a favor. Right. Mm -hmm. I went to the doctors and I actually got tested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the doctors basically yelled at me. They said, why you didn't come earlier. Mm -hmm. Right. You, nice. have, uh, you have you <laughs> have you have tumors that look like cauliflowers. You know you need to go get tested immediately and so on, right? So okay, I, I returned home and then at that moment I spoke with my husband and you know my husband at that moment he said he was busy watching television and so on. He was a big Star Wars fan. Every every morning we woke up with Star Wars alarm clock. Okay. <laughs> A lot of times it's very interesting. A lot of times nowadays, when I meet women who have ovarian tumors, okay, ovarian cancers, they basically have a similar pattern, similar relationship that they are wow. stuck in. Some so kind,
0: they're mothering their husbands. Is that accurate? Yes, yes. or they are being
1: mothered, um. or, or they are being daddyed, right? Like for example, they have mm. a man who's kind of like hovering over them and and controlling them and so on, right? Mm. So they are in a codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if 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 you dear listener by chance find yourself in something like this, I want to tell you your body pays for it. Okay, yeah. there's no free ride here. So what happened was that I went to the doctors. On the way back, I already went by the I, I went by the pharmacy. And I got um an enema bag. Mm-hmm. It looked kind of weird <laughs> <laughs> then i then I went for uh, then I went to the farmers' market. I got a lot of yaki vegetables, yaki fruits, and all of this. I mean it all seemed yucky, you know mm-hmm. because my taste buds were completely blocked right. Right. You know, my
0: sugar and
1: Coca-Cola and and all the fats and so on. I I didn't feel any, I didn't feel anything in on my tongue. Yes. Mm -hmm. Unless it had stimulants inside there. Yeah. Right. So what happened was that, um, I did a three day detox, three day cleanse and just those three days, I mean they were like pivotal point in my life. They were like a turning point. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were. On the other hand, they were the worst three days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I had shudders. I was vomiting. I had diarrhea. I had. Um, I was frustrated, euphoric, depressed, sad, crying, happy. It was like you know, and I was freezing cold and free and terribly hot. It was like all these weird things going on in my body because you're yes. detoxing. Yes. Yes. And I was sweating and I was stinky Mm -hmm. and I'm sad and and full of doubt about the whole process. Right? Like, Why am I doing this? So
5: why am I I doing this? So how did you keep going? Because a lot of people, when they experience that kind of symptoms, when they do detox, they they might want to quit. How did you have the faith to keep going?
1: This is a very good question, right? So today I know that it takes actually three days for human blood to go from acidic to alkaline. So if you persist for three days, on day four, you will have results. So what happened was that basically I did a three-day cleanse. Mm -hmm. And during those three-day cleanse, the reason why I did not give up was because that woman, she said to me, you cannot stop fasting until 16 gallbladder stones come out of you. Yeah. Okay, And I was like, seriously, is this going to take a year? <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was that within three days, I passed those 16 gallbladder stones. I bet I passed even more. I, I have witnessed colon stones come out. They look like walnuts. Wow. Okay, I mean, the, the, the stuff that, is, that we human beings carry around, it's like sewage. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so seriously, us. you would rather have it out than inside you know so now the way i'm looking at the at the enema process it's like my gosh thank god it's invented you know how come nobody told me about it before mm-hmm. okay and then what would i rather do have it
5: with, within me or out of course i would rather have it out right it's like brushing teeth it's so, hygiene avira i want to ask you about the coffee enemas did you because what's interesting to me my family comes from Eastern Europe as well. My family's from Slovakia, and oh, good. yeah. In <laughs> fact, my mother always used to say she understands Polish as well as Slovak because they're so close. But my grandmother in the '60s would talk about coffee enemas, believe it or not, like, in the '60s. In the '60s, and I don't know. My mom was like, "What?" You know, my mom was raised in the United States but born in Europe. I don't know. I don't know if this. I don't know if there's a link, but can you tell us about the coffee enemas? Because I'm curious, um, why coffee? Why not just water? Why not just, why mm-hmm. something else? What did, what do did the coffee enemas do specifically?
1: Yeah. So warm water enemas are good too, right? Gerson, Gerson, Gerson therapy. therapy. Uh-huh. Yeah, Max Gerson, Dr. Max Gerson, he recommended warm water enemas as well as coffee enemas. Yes. And there is many different things you can you can put into an enema. I mean, there's you can put even chlorophyll. You can put wheatgrass. Uh, wheatgrass. I mean, there's lots of lots of different things. Coffee, particularly, has that that one thing. And here I want to say, coffee is healing. It's healing for the colon, and it's not. It has never been meant to be ingested through the mouth. Mm-hmm. So we're putting it in the wrong hole.
4: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
5: I'm
1: you sorry.
4: I was That's sitting funny. here
5: stifling my laugh, and I'm just like, we're "It's hard okay it to laugh because you, everybody knows you drink coffee. It stimulates the system. It's acidic. I love coffee. I'm addicted to coffee. I'm trying to break it, but we're putting it in the wrong place."
0: Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when it goes in the other way, it binds to toxins and pulls them out. And they actually discovered this in World War II, when instead of giving a water enema to the soldiers, because it used to be when you went into a hospital in the old days or whenever, um, they would immediately give you an enema of water, of warm water. That's true. That's right. And in World War II, they didn't have any warm water and the soldiers were coming in injured. So they had caught coffee. And so what they would do is wait until the coffee was not steaming hot, but warm. And they had to do it with the coffee because they were like, we don't know if this is going to work, but instead of water, this is all we got. And we have to try to get the toxins out as we're trying to help the soldiers. And so that is when, at that time, some, I don't know who studied it, but that's when they discovered that it was actually a very strong healing mechanism because it binded to toxins and pulled them out, just like charcoal, just like a lot of other things that we know that bind to toxins, like fiber. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it also softens the colon lining, okay? Mm -hmm. And, -hmm. you know, I talked with doctors who are doing vivisection. Doing what? uh, uh, Vivisection? vivisection i don't know if i'm saying correct word but i i spoke with some doctors who examined the body of a person after death and those doctors basically say you know if you cut the colon open Mm -hmm. it, it looks so clogged up like an old stove there's a layer of old food, okay, <laughs> like glued to the colon lining. It's it's just like old stove that someone never, ever cleansed, cl- cleaned up, right. okay? So coffee, because somehow, because of its proprieties, it has a capacity to soften that, that gunk there and unglue it from the colon. That's how I'm feeling it. Got it, got and it. A- another thing it also supports the liver so actually cough, cough actually enemas are great at unblocking the liver for, uh, you know releasing the 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 gallbladder stones releasing the bile so basically it has the liver liver is key to our health if you have healthy liver you have pure blood if you have pure alkaline blood you are you are healthy you're vibrantly healthy no virus no bacteria no microbe nothing can ever survive in alkaline environment
0: so after a night of drinking food heals nation coffee (laughs) enemas wait i have a question for my co-host allison yes
5: have you done coffee enemas of course i have oh okay didn't know that about you just ask him what brand
0: what brand? I have no idea. <laughs> it's, just, it's been a I'm long time. Because Girls,
1: you better figure, this is potential sponsor. Uh, that is true.
0: <laughs> the, what did you... Oh, what did she have? I'm in calling room? Starbucks <laughs> and Coffee Bean tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, I'm sorry, you want to put our coffee where? And and we're going to pay you? No. The
5: tigress of business. She is as a, a tigress. calls herself... There you go, Tiger. You know, Look right, for your sponsor. Exactly.
1: <laughs> 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 it was that I returned to the doctors after the first three-day detox, almost like a survivor <laughs> <laughs> after some kind of a war that I fought. <laughs> okay, and I knew that the tests they did with me just a few days ago were completely irrelevant. Okay, good for you because I felt so different in my body. I lost seven pounds of weight. I love wow. my skin cleared, my eyes cleared. Like the white parts of my eyes became whiter. Um, I could hear better. I could smell better. And last thing is that you know my my pants became loose. Mm-hmm. All right, and I felt very pure. I felt very peaceful. It's almost like all of a sudden that radio crazy that played in my head that would throw doubts and negative thoughts in my head all of a sudden tuned out. Mm-hmm. So I, I walked into the the their office and basically I had the idea that I'm going to tell them what I just did and they're going to take notes. <laughs> it's their turn, right? That's very hopeful. Right, exactly. So uh, what happened was that Uh, they the doctors with very sad faces very long faces said you have cancer you have to show up here at this hospital bring your toothbrush bring your pajama and they had a kind of like stack of papers you know and and schedule for me right and you know so first surgery surgery doesn't work we have chemo we have radiation and I was like do you know excuse me gentlemen do you know the cause of my disease the cause the cause yeah Right. You know, the blonde dumb, is, ask, the, the dumb, <laughs> dumb blonde is asking about the cause. The dumb blonde is going to, you know, the cause of my disease. Right. Can you imagine? <laughs> okay. Love and it. Then, and then, and then they, they laughed at me like, you know, arrogant kind of attitude. And they said, you know, if we knew the cause of, of cancer we would have Nobel prize. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I mean, today I know there was a guy who actually got the Nobel prize Mm Otto Warburg in 1928 or 26, if I'm wrong, he actually said cancer thrives in acidic environment. Right. Okay. Cancer thrives in anaerobic environment, environment that does not have oxygen. Yes. That's why if we wanna if we wanna have a diet which is preventing cancer, which which is for, for me my mission on the planet is above everything to 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 educate people to prevent this condition because it's much easier,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. then cancer prevention above everything is increase oxygen supply in your diet, Yes, right? Increase water supply and oxygen, yes? So anything that would block oxygen, avoid that.
0: And that's why it's like things like deep breathing and yoga and meditation are so important, but people discount them because they think, oh, it's just silly, slow-moving shit that I can't deal with or I can't do. When it's... (laughs) so incredibly healing and they have now you can sit in oxygen tanks and get your body oxygenated because that will kill the cancer cells i mean the the things that are happening now are incredible but back then i'm sure the doctors were like um little blonde
1: girl (laughs) yeah and besides this you know i mean polish hospital back then we had news of staph infections all over the place right Mm -hmm. You know, so it was not, an, for me, this was not an option. I'm not going to get a staph infection. I would rather, I would rather do this cleanse thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically what happened was that I said to them, look, I'm not going to hurry. And you, you know, you would never believe what helped me in that moment to put brakes, Okay. On the pressure that I was getting, I was absolutely getting pressured without informal consent about consequences. Okay. Just go do this, you know, sheep, you, you follow and then what happened was that I remembered as, um, there was a school teacher in my grade school who basically said to us, he, she gave us a metaphor. She was a biology teacher. She said, kids, if you ever see a lake and that lake has been poisoned, like, you know, to- in, uh, it's, it's toxic and fish are dying
2: mm-hmm.
1: because of, because there is a factory next to it somewhere in the river, you know, poisoning the river that flows to the lake, it's enough that we just shut down that factory and Mm -hmm. give time and nature will purify that lake. Mm -hmm. All right. And that metaphor, that, that metaphor stuck with me. And I thought to myself, well, it took me years to develop this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give myself at least few months to experiment with this detoxing, with this cleansing of that Ukrainian woman and with the new diet, you know, and then basically I said to them, these two things, I said, look, i i didn't get a nobel prize for for <laughs> cancer research but i think it is it is two things that cause my disease okay toxic food
0: and toxic thinking yeah and i'm gonna quit both that's amazing that you said that to your doctors and so going back let's say you said to the doctors i'm gonna do this cleanse Right. and uh so, this and and what happened then Tell us. so basically I said I said to them I'm going to continue right
1: mm-hmm. and I went back home and I, I I never wanted to see them again to be honest <laughs> okay I don't blame was- you yeah, they were very, they were arrogant. They were basically arrogant. And, you know, whatever jokes they say about Polish, Polish guys in, in America, those jokes really applied to those people. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what happened was that I went back home and I, I started to eat following my bliss. Basically, I started because my cubes have cleared I didn't have any book back then, really, about what to eat, what not to eat, right? Right. Where did my eyes gravitated? Oh, they gravitated towards tomatoes, mm, towards cucumbers, mm, towards leafy green salad, towards apples, towards different fruits and so on. So I just followed my bliss. I basically was like a monkey
2: (laughs) in the jungle,
1: kind (laughs) of, you know, green drinks are very good for us, like in cleansing,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: however let's be honest we human beings don't salivate when we look at wheatgrass we don't salivate when we look at kale Mm -hmm. right so those those foods are very detoxifying they have a lot of minerals and they are very good for us when we are cleansing and detoxing however for lifestyle we need something juicy basically during those four months i monitored my progress yes Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of like, I went for ultrasound every two weeks, every three weeks. And I was like, of course, you know, the person that was doing the ultrasound was surprised. Oh my gosh, your tumors are shrinking and so on. I'm like, of course it's shrinking. Everything about me is shrinking. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I lost 83 pounds within, you know, four months. Okay. So it's I'm, my, my arms became so skinny that I could actually embrace my, my, my arm mm-hmm. with my hand. Yes. With my fingers. I became really, I I lost basically all the toxicity inside me. And then I started to put on healthier weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what happened was that after when I could see in ultrasound, there was nothing. Then I went to the doctors, they did the tests again. And then they basically said, well, you're cancer free, but obviously you did something that you're not telling us. Because this is impossible. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So so you see, this is what's happening. This is what I discovered. The sad truth is that in our healthcare system, we do not have a room for healing of a patient. Right. We, you know, this is just, there's, there's no space for that. If the patient healed, then the patient was either misdiagnosed, oops, right? <laughs> you, you never had cancer in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, then how come was I told that, right? How many women, if that's the case, how many women never have cancer in the first place? I realized, okay, my body has changed. I am healthy. However, I still have negative beliefs about myself. Like, for example, I would still believe that I was stupid and nothing and not worth it and not deserving, right? So I it's almost like I had an old software Okay, but the computer was new. <laughs> <laughs> I was very curious about anything that pertained to consciousness because I knew I have to change the software in order for me to be really free and really happy mm-hmm. and really enjoy the world, enjoy the planet. Yeah, so this this has began a transformational journey, and it's been it's been a fun ride. Till today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me and lots of love to the whole world that listens to you.
0: Mindset expert Jolyn Philbrook is a survivor. She overcame cancer twice. First, a rare type of breast cancer, then kidney cancer. All at the same time, she was fighting a custody battle with no income. How did she keep going and get through it all? One word, mindset. Now, having survived, she shares her wisdom to help women live their greatest life. I am personally obsessed with her idea of the power shoes. I think my ladies would agree. And maybe you guys have power ties too. I don't know. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Roll it, Roxy. I don't know that we have ever had a guest who has beat cancer twice. (laughs) Well, it's
3: a journey and I don't recommend it to anybody, but it's a great learning experience. I had great ah ahas through it, but I'd rather learn my lessons the easy way what is the easy way (laughs) is there an easy way yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes and i learned it going the hard way so my experience is we all have um, basically i'm abundant mindset expert and i work in the mind but what we forget about is our emotions and so through the cancer experience I kept working in my mind, clearing the beliefs and working on what caused the cancer? Why did I get it? Because I like to find the core reason to things. I like research, and I just don't believe that we get sick. I think... We have a part in it. So when I really started diving into why did I get cancer, I came to the conclusion that it was my anger that I did not express that I shoved down and this anger had nowhere to go but start eating away at my body, which caused a dis-ease and it showed up as cancer. And when I was in the breast cancer experience, I started asking these women because I wanted proof. I wanted to know if I was on the right track. So I'm in the doctor's office. I had many operations, a mastectomy, reconstruction. So every time I'm either in a hospital or a doctor's office, I was asking these women, um, did something happen to you a year and a half to two years before you got breast cancer? And all of them? said, yes, except one, her brother died. And what I concluded from this was their heart was broken. They were angry and resentful because of the divorce. And so they just shoved down their anger and resentment. And then I found out the number one disease for women is heart attacks And then lung cancer and then breast cancer. So we store our hurts in our chest area.
0: Yes, it's so true. And, you know, I learned this lesson as well because I remember when both of my parents did have cancer. And when I started learning about holistic health and healing, I didn't get the mind, body, spirit part. My major discovery was oh my God, the food we eat is killing us, right? And that is true to an extent, but it took me a long time to realize that our emotions could be killing us too, and that we are in control of those, and we've got to heal our past traumas within ourselves in order to avoid that disease. That's such an amazing conclusion for you to come to. What were you holding on to? What were you angry about? And how did you turn it around?
3: Okay, so three years after my divorce, my son comes home and says, Mom, I don't feel safe at dad's house. I saw him snorting a white powder, and he's taking alcohol into the car. My son was 10. And so that started the custody suit. And at the same time, my ex, I like to tie my story to the Wizard of Oz because he turned into the wicked witch of the West, going, hee hee he, hee hee, I'm going to get you my pretty. He wasn't really bad. I mean, the threatening phone calls, um, I was afraid to leave the house. He got aggressive. Like I had to stand between him and my son to protect my son. It got really hairy. And uh, basically, he flipped. He went from family man to this raging, angry person. And so I was also angry at how I was being treated and talked down and being verbally abused and threatened and scared. And my favorite thing to do at night was replay those tapes in the middle of the night and cry and scare myself even more. And one night I said, you know what? That's it. I'm not doing this anymore. So it started with a decision saying, I am not going to cry and I'm going to get my power back. So I made the decision. And the second thing was I stopped talking about the problem. I went from problem to solution. So anytime anybody said, oh, how was the court case? I'd go, oh, it's going on. But did I tell you where I'm headed, what I want to do, what my goal is? And I would go into my new life that I was going to build and create. And what was interesting is I had a premonition dream before I got breast cancer that I was standing on a stage in front of an audience of women telling them I survived breast cancer. So that was the dream I hung on to that, you know, I just had to transform my life.
0: That's incredible. And the fact that you survived all of that, I mean, is amazing. And so when you're speaking with people now, I know that you have an abundance mindset. You know, there's something we like about being in the negative and someone asking you about your court case and you being like, oh, you won't believe how horrible it is and, and things like that. And I know that you've overcome that, but why do we do that? And how can we overcome that negative talk about whatever's going on in our lives and really reframe it?
3: Well, part of it is our brain is wired to think negative and we're taught and programmed to focus on the negative. And 95% of our reoccurring thoughts are negative. And they are programmed into us from zero to seven years old. So what I teach my clients is, you know, walk around with a notepad one day, you know, I say for a week, but you don't have to do it all day long. Just pick an hour or two where you really pay attention to your thoughts. And you will hear yourself say your critical negative thought, like, I'm not any good. I can't do this. I'm a loser, I'm stupid, whatever these kind of thoughts are. So as soon as you hear this negative belief, what you want to do is counteract it with something positive three times in a row. And the reason why you say something positive three times in a row is because that's telling your subconscious mind, pay attention, something new is coming in. And then it takes about 16 times of saying something pretty much in a row that it starts to go into the subconscious mind. So it's practice. You have to practice listening and then practice saying something positive right after it.
0: I just got so excited because I think that I'm really meant to hear this today. And the fact that you said like our mind is programmed or wired to go negative. Is so interesting because I was on Instagram today and I saw this post by Scaleless Fitness and she said, the five second rule, the moment that you have an instinct to act on a goal, you must, five, four, three, two, one, you must physically move or your brain
3: will stop you. Yeah, and your fear, your doubts, your worries, all your insecurities will override the positive and they're bigger and they're louder. And you listen to them more. And it's just how we're wired. So it takes a little bit more effort to go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's really not true. That's the old programming. I really am this great person, and I can do it. So one, two, three, four, five, let's go. (laughs) So if we're going through something really difficult, for instance, my sister was in the Santa Rosa fire, and she wasn't sure if her house survived or not. Most of the area where she was living got burnt and she lost her house. And instead of her flipping out and crying and getting all all upset, she said, I know something good is coming out of this. So she's looking at life as an experience to teach us these lessons and it's how we're going to look at it, our perception is how it's going to show up back to us, mirror back to us. So for instance, if, let's take prosperity, somebody's laying in bed in the middle of the night and they're worried and they can't pay their bills and they're stressed out, what they're doing is they're sending more energy to fuel the fire of, let's say, not enough. But if we stop that emotional feed and change it, And it could be as simple as looking at a tree and saying, there's an abundance of leaves on the tree. There's an abundance of dishes in my cabinet. And start training yourself to see the abundance. That's part of it. And then you want to get into the feeling of abundance. So that would be like dressing in your finest clothes, putting on makeup. I have a pair of shoes That when I first started speaking, I called them my power shoes because every time I stepped into them, I stepped into my power to step on the stage, which would be confidence. I would be confident. And now it's like anytime I put those shoes on, I'm automatically confident because I use that as an anchor. So yeah, power shoes. You just find a pair of shoes and when you put them on, you go, these are my Confident power shoes, and when you walk, you're walking tall, you're walking proud. And you're feeling good about yourself. Have
0: you guys heard of the power posing that you're supposed to do before, you know, you walk into something, whether it's like a meeting or or something that you need to be like owning your confidence where you power pose in front of a mirror for five minutes? Yeah, the Wonder Woman position.
3: I don't really do it, but now I want to. I want my power poses and my power shoes. (laughs) (laughs) So what I also teach my clients, which I think is very valuable, and I'd love to share it with your audience if it's okay, this technique is what got me through all the anger, the resentment, and the cancer, and it transformed my life. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. It's really, really simple. So whenever we have a negative emotion, and mine was resentment, what I learned was to feel the resentment. And in the beginning, I imagined I had trapdoors and at the bottom of my feet. I had a trapdoor in my stomach. I had a trapdoor in my heart, wherever in my body, needed a trap door where I felt it in that moment. And the key is you feel the anger, the resentment. It could be guilt, shame, fear. You just notice where you feel it. You imagine a trap door and you breathe into the emotion and you say to yourself, I'm willing to release this. And you keep breathing and you go, I'm willing to release this. And after about 30 seconds or maybe 45 seconds at the most, the energy will shift and it will dissipate and leave.
0: That reminds me of Louise Hay, which is one of the first books and and people who got me into this work um, where you, you say affirmations like I am willing to release the need for, or I am willing to change, or I am willing to see things differently. And it's gentle, and it's nice, and I like that. And what about grieving, the person who loses their house, the person who goes through something such as you did with your husband and your custody battle? What about grieving the loss or the situation? Where does
3: that come into the system? In my book, I wrote about grief because, one, I didn't know I was grieving, going through the cancer episode. But what I learned was it's good to cry, but I had to give myself a time limit. Because if I didn't give myself a time limit, I would stay in that funk all day long. And the problem is, if you stay in that grieving, crying episode too long, Then your body starts to remember it. And as you wake up the next day, your body's remembering, oh, I'm supposed to be grieving. And it goes on this cellular memory now instead of a choice, a thinking memory. So it's really important to grieve, let it out, and then find something to shift that mood and find something that will lighten up your mood. You know, you're kind of doing both. You let go of the negative and then you bring in something positive.
5: That's why I love animals, dogs in particular, because they immediately make me happy.
0: My dogs are my therapists. They know when I'm sad. They cuddle me. I hold them. They just love without judgment. It's so wonderful. Babies too, <laughs> but
3: I see more dogs in my life right now than babies. And then they do silly things that make you laugh.
0: Oh, yes, they do. All right. So, can you leave us with, you know, your best advice on getting rid of those limiting beliefs and just truly living in an abundant mindset? Ah,
3: yes. I think the easiest thing to do for people would be anytime you hear yourself talking negative to just stop talking midstream, and you could even imagine a stop sign, and then you tell yourself, Oh, that's not true, and then you want to like uncreate it or cancel it, delete it, something to that effect, and then you want to state the new belief. So, for instance, you could say, Oh my gosh. That's so expensive. I can't afford that. And you'd go, oops, stop. That's not true. I can't afford that. But right now I'm choosing not to spend my money that way.
0: Yes, I've done that before because I always tell myself, I don't have time. I don't have time. So I've reframed that to go, I'm choosing not to spend time on this at this time, but I will. And so that kind of makes me feel a little bit better because it is a choice the way we spend our time. So if I'm saying I don't have time, it's because I'm not prioritizing that thing. So as long as we have our, for me, at least, if I have my priorities straight, then I always have time. My problem is maybe prioritizing the wrong things sometimes. So when I change that around, it's almost like creating time. It's pretty cool. Well, time is relative, right? So if we say, I have all the
5: time in the world, it massively shifts your perspective. And the times that I've really believed that and really like even just had that thought, I was like,
3: oh, I do have all the time in the world. That is so true. And then when we're doing that kind of work also, pay attention to the feeling what you're feeling. Because the feeling is what's embodying that belief and keeping it stuck in your head. Because the body is also a memory. And so you want to let that feeling out so the belief will dissipate.
0: And I liked what you said earlier about how the cells remember. So if we're grieving... Too much, then the cells go, oh, okay, we need to grieve again. I've seen this experience in my life many times. Like, for example, right now I am really into running and I ran my first half marathon recently. And so I've been training myself to run, but there have been so many times in my life where I've gone, you should go running. And I'm like, nah, I don't feel like it. That sounds exhausting. And then I don't go. But then once I started making it a regular habit every few days, then my body woke up and goes, We need to run and we need to run right now. We can't wait to run. And so it's that cellular memory doing that. And then the same thing, if I get into, let's say something happens to me and I choose to get depressed over it and it just brings me down that day. The next day I wake up and I'm still in that depressive place unless I choose to bring myself out of it. And I can continue that depression for a few days or I can bring myself out of it, but the cells are kind of like remembering where we were before and we're going to continue this pattern. So I think it's really important to know that we are in control and the more times that we choose the abundant mindset over the whatever it may be poverty mindset depressive mindset holding on to the past mindset, you know, we, we have
3: the power. And food does like sugar plays into that a lot too, because sugar will bring you down also. Well, first oh, it yeah. brings so you is, up, then, then it the brings crux you of down. Our show. Delete it from so your lot. food. <laughs> yeah, don't I'm eat not that sugar. Evolved yet. Yeah.
5: <laughs> it was yeah. lots of fun, Jolene. I think we'll have you back because I'm sure Allie and I could talk to you for a lot longer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This was fun. I really enjoyed it